a new year, right? It's 2024. And um, if you were out last night, I hope you had a good time. Um, I guess it depends when you're listening to this. But um, either way, I hope you, um, you're going to enjoy what 2024 has to offer, you know. I hope it's a good one for you, everyone listening. Um, all the 200-something people who have listened to the previous um, episodes, you know. Stick around. Thank you. I am um, grateful for you. And uh, I'm grateful for the people around me. You know, it's been it's been a wild year, but it's been a yeah, it's been good. You know, it's been okay. Um, lost some good ones, but uh, we made some um, nice memories, and uh, that's that's good. I guess that's something to to be grateful for. I've uh, had an okay week. You know, even though I. I was actually chatting with one of my my friends uh, over over lunch early, earlier that um, I don't like the buzz around the holiday season. You know, I don't like the fact that it's so um, in your face. You know, in regards to how well um, other people are doing. Um, the, um, it's not to say that you know if you if you're doing well, well done to you. You know that that nothing should stop you to celebrate that. It's just um, I don't know. Just I just like it. Or like I always consider um, you know the person. I guess the one who's not having a great time. You know, who's looking out for them. Um, not saying it's my job to look out for for anyone. I barely look out for myself to be fair, but. Um, yeah, all I'm saying is, you know, it's um, it's a time of the year where loads of people are just grateful for everything they have. And some people are just sad for everything they don't have because of everything they don't have. And uh, I guess that's equally as important, you know. Nobody should um, forgive, forget. Nobody should forget these people, you know. I am these people sometimes. Um and I'm also, you know, grateful sometimes. I think you can be both. But uh, the week between Christmas and New Year has been uh, it's been an all right week. You know, I've been I've been working a bit on my day job, and uh, then I did uh, I did my last gig uh, of the year, and it was fun. You know, I I really enjoyed it. I was uh, in in Croydon and uh big smoke comedy you know um it's a it's a, it's a nice night and um yeah it's it was uh interesting being there you know there were loads of uh, hangover um people either audience members or um comedians and um it's almost one year since i stopped drinking that is that's wild you know i never thought I would go sober, you know, I just thought I'm going to stop drinking for a while. And um, I ended up not drinking again, or at least for the time being. Even though actually the other night I was um, out and um, I was having dinner with some um, some other friends and uh, they were drinking some some good stuff, you know, some, some nice spirits. And I was um, I was smelling the bottles, you know. And um, reminiscing on the on the memories I had as um, as a hospitality worker, you know, and um, it reminded me of, of some of the good times, you know, some of the the fun nights when I used to go out and um, get shit faced, and then uh, work, you know, a couple hours later, and uh, now I can't do, I can't work. <laughs> Now I can't work even if I'm not drunk. So um, yeah, I think I it's it's right for me. I think it's the it's the best thing to do. You know, I have a bit of an addictive personality. I, I I'm aware of that, and um, you know, I think um, yeah, I've been running loads. I've done over three hundred fifty around three hundred fifty miles this year, and that's from that's a big jump from the 50 miles the year before this so 
yeah, I've been I've been climbing more recently. That was nice, but my my forearms um, hurt so much. I'm in so much pain. I I I don't think I want to hold this microphone for too long. I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. So that's why I'll uh, introduce you to um, to my next guest, um, Barbara. Barbara Fernandez. She's a uh, she's a comedian, a musical comedian, uh, based in London. She's an interesting person, you know, she's got some cool stuff to share and uh, most, um, I guess most importantly, but uh, not most importantly, however pretty important, she's also a um, BPD um, person, you know, she's, uh, she's been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, um, just like me, but uh, our stories, you know, same as anything, pretty much anything in the world is not the same. Um, so it was interesting to listen to her story, you know, see what she's um, what she's been up to, what how she's dealing with this, you know, how um, she incorporates it into her comedy, and it was very interesting. I think she's uh, she's got a, a brilliant idea, you know, about uh, creating more uh, awareness, you know, about um, about people living with borderline and uh, just educating others and, you know, making it fun as well. It's, it's, it's a cool, it was a cool conversation, you know, and I think it's a nice way to, to start the year, you know. So, um, what else from me? I don't know. I, uh, I think that's it to be fair. I just want you to, you know, enjoy this year. If you're still celebrating, keep on celebrating. If you're, you need some time to, you know, reflect and um, relax, relax, you know. Um, just look after yourselves, folks, because um, I remember someone told me that if you let the world wind you up, it will. So I guess don't let it wind you up. I don't know. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll crack on with the episode. Happy New Year once again. Look after yourselves and I'll catch you in a bit. Brilliant. So, um, yes, hi Barbara, how are you doing? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Have you, have you been gigging much uh, recently? Oh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> I mean, I always gig a lot, but and then like Last night I was uh, I was emceeing as well. I do that, and I'm yeah I'm gigging a lot, and I'm taking a comedy course at the moment. So writing a lot of new stuff with that because the homework is writing ten jokes a day. <laughs> so cool. <sighs> I can't even begin to describe it. Well, it's got me writing ten jokes a day. I mean, they're not good <laughs> jokes, you know. Most of them are absolute rubbish, but. You know, coming from somebody, I mean, I used to force myself, I don't know how other people do it, but because everybody's like, oh, you know, you need to write every day. Da, da, da. So what I do is I, I, I don't, I used to read on the tube and stuff or on the train and I don't do that now. Now I just, I still read, but at other times, um, now I just have my, my phone or my laptop. And then when I'm traveling, I'm just like, right. Okay. Writing time. And because I, I'm going somewhere every day, every day I'm editing a set or I'm, moment now like writing new stuff and everything so it's really good because it means you know over time you get even though even if like 90 percent of it is absolute rubbish you might have 10 percent that could turn into something good you know so over time that can add up i think uh, building that muscle memory as well it's kind of you know important because i i got to the point now where i mean i, I just write and i usually do the same stuff over and over again just trying to make it you know, as, as good as possible. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that getting into the habit of having to, to write or at least I think to me, the way it's helping me is, uh, writing is that I, if I get an idea and I think, Oh, that can actually go somewhere. I just pull my phone out really quickly and I just like write it there so that it doesn't get lost. Cause sometimes I, it happens when I go to the gigs or when I come home from a gig where I'm like, Oh my God, that could have been the next thing in the, in this joke, and it would have been much better. Or I could have said this before, and then it just kind of I just forget about it. While yeah, yeah, I yeah, I have to say I, I write it. Yeah, I write it immediately. Sometimes I 
wake you know it wake it wakes me up like this used to happen with songs and because I've written some songs as well like but you know not in any big deal way but um but I used to wake up with like a song in my head or something and I knew I had to record it on the voice recorder because otherwise I would forget it which was kind of annoying because I really wanted to go back to sleep <laughs> now and now what happens with uh yeah with jokes and stuff. well actually it happened um sometimes it doesn't happen quite so much in the middle of the night anymore now it tends to happen like when I first wake up but I really wanted to sort of stay asleep a bit so in fact that was how I wrote um that was how I wrote one of my favorite things that I've ever written which is a song about uh about borderline personality disorder uh that song came like in a couple of mornings I, I literally woke up one morning and heard the chorus in my head with the words <laughs> and everything and I thought oh my goodness it was really weird so I recorded it and then I just recorded the chorus and I said, okay, well, I guess I'll, you know, I can come back to that later and write some more of this. This could be something decent. And then weirdly, this is the first time this has happened. The next morning I woke up and I had the verse and like not all the words, but a verse, like a full verse. Now this is really weird. So I recorded the verse and then this is even stranger on the third morning when I woke up, I had an intro I didn't think I needed an intro. I thought I was going to just, you know, do verse chorus. Um, but I had like a slow kind of intro thing. It was really, that hasn't happened with any of my other songs, but um, yeah. So, you know, that whole, that whole song was written that way. I mean, obviously then I edited it a bit, but I just, that yeah. sounds So it's weird. I, I don't even feel like that one's mine. I just feel like somebody put it in my brain. Or, I mean, it is mine, you know, it's an original song, but yeah. I, I, like I, uh, wow, no, that sounds <laughs> amazing. It's, it's like a, it's, it's like, really a, like a J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter kind of, you know, it just like writes itself, and you're like, whoa, what's happening? Uh, wow. Yeah, that was pretty much. Yeah. No, that, that, I mean, I think um, you know what actually reminded me of you. Have you ever have you ever seen Seinfeld? When you know when he yeah. he he wakes up to write the joke and he forgets the joke. And he's trying the whole day to, yeah. to 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 write the song again, but I I think there was a bit where he was forcing himself to go to sleep so that he would, you know, get back into that. Yeah, state. yeah. That's, that's incredible. I um, I think. Yeah, that was lucky. I think. I think it was just luck. I think it was just a, you know. I'm, I've been wanting to write something about borderline personality disorder for a while because that's how I got into comedy, but but. Yeah, that was that, that was a that was a lucky break to have the whole song delivered like that. Do you think so? I think like it, it, it must have had to do with you know, you having in the back of your mind or like somehow, you know, um, yeah, just putting pieces together. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a singer. I was a professional singer for you know quite a while. So, so yeah, like I said, I did write a lot of songs before. So I do often wake up with like a snippet of a melody in my head, and sometimes I will wake up with with like a chorus that has melody plus words um, and I'll record it. But most of the time I won't really do anything with it, but this was like three consecutive days. That was really weird. You know, I'd never had that before with, e with each day, a different piece. It was very yeah, that strange. Sounds, that sounds, uh, yeah. this is, I think the fact that yeah, it was three days, one, and you had like a little bit every day. Uh, um, Cause I do sometimes have, uh, some of my dreams, nightmares, or you know, things that are like happening, um, and it kind of, it stays there. And sometimes it goes back, but I think yeah, the fact it, it, it sounds it, it's wow, no. But how long you've been? Uh, how long you've been? Uh, so because you, you said you, you did comedy for uh, two and a half years. Um, how long? You, when did you start doing music? Uh, oh, that was a very long time ago. I mean, ever since I was little, I started doing like dancing lessons and singing lessons and acting lessons. I was doing, um, uh, the first thing I started was like dancing and stuff. And then every, uh, at the end of every year, we would have this little dance recital. So I was probably like eight years old or something when I did my first one where you would like, you would sing a little song. Like, I, oh, it was so cheesy. I would sing a little song and then do some tap dancing, you know? So it was, it was something silly. Like, like I would do something like, um, you know, diamonds, are, like little snippets of Marilyn Monroe's diamonds are a girl's best friend. And then I would tap dance around the stage. Like it was with a feather boa. That was very cheesy. 
but that's when I get, started. How, yeah. How, how did you get to be so? I don't know. Creative is it? Was you? What your uh, your parents uh, like artists as well, or uh, what got you into like such like this artistic side so early? Uh, I mean, I I remember watching. Well, there's two. There's two answers. The first one is yeah. I remember watching. Uh, my mom was watching Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. It's old now, right? Doing some you know dance stuff. I think it was tea for two. I don't remember what it was, but I remember watching it. And I saw it, and I just said to my mom, oh, I want to do that. I literally pointed at the screen, and I was like, I want to do that. She's like, oh, okay. So then she looked up a you know, dancing school, and then the rest is history. And then I found out it was only once I – it was only – for some reason, she didn't – my mom didn't tell me until I was at uni because I wanted to go to um, – because then it just didn't stop. And I was doing musical theater, like like you know, amateur community musical theater and stuff. And then, and then I did, uh, and then I wanted to go to, oh yeah, I did a bunch of, you know, school productions and all that stuff. And then I wanted to go to, um, the high school for performing arts in Manhattan. I'm from New York. So, uh, I wanted to go to the high school that's in the movie fame where everybody like sings and dances and all that stuff. And, uh, and my mom was like, oh, you won't be happy there. No, you have to get, you know, you have to, you might have to get a real job. You know, you won't be happy if you're famous. Um, you... Not that I, you know, decided I was going to be famous, but she was like, oh, all the, because she's met a lot of famous people because she used to be an airline hostess for TWA. So she met Walt Disney and Paul Newman and just like a bunch of famous people. And she was like, oh, most of them didn't seem happy. So she decided I wasn't going to be happy if I pursued a creative career. It was like, oh, thanks a lot. So she was like, oh, you, you have to go to, you know, go to university at least to get a degree. So I did a theater degree. Um, and it was only once I was at university Cause it wasn't like she would like, like my mom was encouraging in the sense that she would pay for dancing lessons and take me to, you know, cause she knew it was making me happy, but her in the back of her mind, she was always like, well, yeah, but you can't make any money from it. This is just her having fun. Um, and she did spend a lot of time doing that. I remember going from one dance recital to the other and this is so American, but we would just literally like stop at a McDonald's or something so that we could eat something on the way to the show kind of scenario. So, um, she spent a lot of time doing it. But once I was at uni, it was only then that she told me that I'm like, I'm the sixth generation in a straight line of performers. Because like my mom sang at a jazz club in Harlem while she was being an airline stewardess. And she was offered to open up for Jack Benny, who was, I don't know who, I know he was super famous, but I don't know who he is. It was a long time ago, before my time. Um, but uh, she decided she that wasn't stable enough. She wanted her stable job. Um, and then my grandmother was a singer and a pianist. And then my grand, my, her husband was a radio engineer. So he had a big radio station and he designed, he invented the first um, multi-directional microphone, the one you can sing into from all sides. He invented that apparently. And then he was a saxophone player and, and he, was it some other relative did the, the Bush, what are they called? Some famous saxophone. He invented that. And then, my great grandfather was a vaudeville performer. So like, yeah, so I was really weird. And she didn't tell me until I was, you know, at university. I thought, well, that might've been kind of cool to know beforehand, you know, but yeah, there's definitely genetics in there. And then, and then for my kids, cause I have two kids, um, they're in their early twenties and I, um, I deliberately, like, I didn't want to like influence them one way or the other. My thing was like, well, just find what makes you happy. And so of course, one of them plays guitar and, you know, can, can sing and is, you know, very good, uh, very good musically. And she's done sound engineer stuff and she's looking to do, you know, she's a very good actress as well, better than me. And then my son is doing like animation, like he wants to do like storyboards, stuff like that. And he did a film degree and their dad is a mathematician. So their dad was like really disappointed. <laughs> no one's going into this. Yeah. No one's using math. They both want to be creative like their mom. Um, yeah. So, uh, wow. Yeah. That's, um, that, that's huge. I had no idea. Um, yeah, it's in the yeah, genes, I guess. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But also like, apparently though, apparently, and this is like an added thing. I mean, I'm like, you know, mental illness also runs in my family. Yay. <laughs> and apparently borderline personality disorder also like, like I think probably 
old mental health things. Um, but they do say that one of the one of the beneficial uh, there aren't any benefits particularly that I can think of of, of having BPD, but apparently it makes people very creative. So <laughs> I don't know. Well, I understand why. It's because it's because the brain. Because, like, for people who don't know who it is, it's it, what it is, who it is, this is the person, huh? For people who don't know what it is, if anyone's listening doesn't know what it is, it's, um, so it's a, it's a mental health condition that is highly stigmatized. So most of the time people think, oh, that's like Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction, or, oh, that's like Amber Heard when there were all those rumors that she was, you know, going to the toilet and Johnny did what his face his bed and all of that. No, that's not what it is. Um, it's a problem with regulating emotions where it's a bit like, the way I describe it in my comedy set is I say it's a bit like uh, my emotional thermostat is busted. So you get extreme emotions really quickly. Um, which is why the two most typical careers are, you know, comedian or serial killer. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I joke about it, but um, not that there's a lot of us that are serial killers. Not really. Um, that's more, uh, yeah, no. That's not to be confused with narcissism. People confuse oh. the two. Anyway, so, so, yeah, they confuse the two and it's, completely different thing but um but the thing about the brain of somebody that has bpd is that um the yeah there are a lot the mm, the amygdala so the threat center the part of the brain that you know when we see a threat and it goes run like that bit is bigger than normal you can see this on brain scans as well you can actually see a bpd brain is different from like you know a neurotypical brain because the the amygdala the threat center is bigger than normal and then the um, the prefrontal cortex, so the bit at the front of our brain that makes rational decisions, <laughs> is smaller. <laughs> Hence the impulsivity. And but of course that's really great for comedy if you're highly impulsive and highly unpredictable. You know your brain is used to thinking faster. And the way that my ex therapist described it, he said it's a bit like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. You know how when like, you know how when like you. Uh, I'll try to describe it. Uh, it's easier to see it visually, but you, when you see the, like when you, when a velociraptor or any predator for that matter, but especially like the velociraptor, a velociraptor hears a noise and then boom, the head oh, turns yes. really fast, lightning fast, right? Faster than most uh, animals or creatures, right? It's a bit like that. It's a bit like having that, like the brain is very quick because it's usually caused by trauma. Not all the time, but most of the time, borderline personality disorder is caused by some form of childhood trauma, um, which means that, as a well, for example, in my case, as a very young child, I learned, ooh, you know, the world is dangerous. I have to look out for myself. I could, you know, I could die or be harmed at any time. So, so the brain, for survival purposes, the brain learns to react really, really, really quickly, and it learns to look for danger really quickly, which is why the amygdala gets bigger. Um, because the brain thinks that it's going to keep it's going to keep me safer to be able to look for danger fast rather than make rational decisions. That bit gets smaller. I guess it has less room. I don't know. They maybe look like, oh, this is my hood. You know, get out of here. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's why I think there's the whole there's the whole creativity thing because we're used to jumping from one space to another very quickly to seeing. And it's, it's like with people with the, with ADHD as well, like, cause like BPD has some overlaps with other mental health conditions. I looked them up. I found five, <laughs> um, which all are true for me in one way or another, which is what my show about borderline personality disorder is about. It's about looking at each of those overlaps. I didn't do five when I wrote the show. I only found four, but then I found a fifth one. I was like, oh, so the first four that I found are um, the, the most common one is bipolar. Um, because people often get misdiagnosed with bipolar. Uh, so there's bipolar, uh, ADHD, that's a big one, um, psychosis, and what was the ADHD, bipolar, psychosis, and what was the fourth one? Wait a minute, I have to look it up on me. Anyway, the fifth one that I found was uh, was autism, but I was just like, I've already written the show. Um, like, like, like when I say overlaps, like there are some characteristics of um, of each, oh, PTSD, that's the other one. There are some characteristics of each of those that kind of bleed through, which is why it's called borderline personality disorder because it sits on the border of other mental health conditions and, and there's some leakage, you know. 
So for example, with the ADHD, yeah, I definitely see the whole jumping from one topic to another really quickly and which of course is highly creative, right? And then there's the PTSD, which is, you know, we're quite good at movies because we scary movies because ah, jump scare. Like sometimes someone will sit down at a table next to me that will make me jump for no apparent reason. Um, and then the autism, I see that in the, because um, I, I mean, autism that manifests in many different ways, like, like all mental health conditions. Autism manifests in many different ways. You can't say, oh, all autistic people or all people with autism are the same because they're not. But for example, um, um, one characteristic that I can definitely see is the, the need for details, the need for knowing the rules about things. Like that's just how it shows up in me. Like I like to know the rules. I like to know how things work. I like to know. Yeah, it's not that I'm, I'm not particularly concerned with going to new places, which is not very autistic at all, but that little bit about the rules and the lists and the, so when you look this up online, like you can see these kind of Venn diagrams with these huge overlaps, with all these different, uh, all these different conditions. Um, and yeah, I've, I've worked that into my show about borderline personality disorder, where what I try to do is through song, <laughs> I, um, I portray each of these mental health conditions. Uh, so for example, there's a song that I do in the show about ADHD. There's one about PTSD. There's one about bipolar. What about psychosis? Like I said, I didn't do the autism one, so I found that out later. And for me, that's the one that's the least, for me personally, that has the least impact. That's not something where I immediately thought, oh yeah, there's probably definitely a bit of it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that explains anything about borderline personality disorder, but um, there's also I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, darker sides to it, but I think there's a darker side to anybody that's highly creative. You know, you get the whole, like, manic, depressive thing, and there's a lot of suicide ideation, and I, not very no, fun. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> and I think I, I actually, you know, my, my um, referral to a psychiatrist was actually for uh, bipolar disorder, and uh, they gave me those... Uh, questionnaire things that you had to fill up and uh, the the doctor was yeah. like well it seems like you know it was like based on this questionnaire you you are bipolar but uh, i don't believe that is the case because the um, these regulations are more frequent than how like because uh, apparently his 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 way of explaining it was that when you have the high energy uh, phases they can take up to three days while to me it's just again the, the emotional dysregulation happens in a, it can happen in the same day but i can wake up feeling well that's more that's yeah, more so borderline that's, that's, that was his argument for like and that was his um that was his uh his way of looking looking at it i'm like yeah fair and i, I agree i think you know one of my uh someone that i spoke with um as in like a like a um a friend of mine did uh, say to me, because uh, I remember when I, because I, again, like, I, I thought I had, uh, I mean, there was, there was, a, I had an assessment for psychosis as well. And I was just like, this is yeah. so weird. But uh, yeah, my friend did say that um, this is why it's, it's a spectrum. You know, like it's it's not like because yeah. you don't get people who, like you said, people who have autism to have everything that's like describing autism or people who have ADHD. It's not yeah. everyone who has ADHD behaves in the exact same way. And uh, I actually noticed that, for example, from the DBT that you've done as well, the uh, dialectual behavioral therapy. Dialectual not behavioral all, therapy. Yeah. Some people with ADHD do it as well and CPTSD. So it's kind of you know, um, yeah, you, you, again, you see that it, it's, uh, and I, I, I think, uh, the idea of like putting a show about it, it's, 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 it's incredible because, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's like raising awareness, but in a, in a, in a, in a funny way, which I, well, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Because I, I can't, I can't seem to do it any other way because, yeah, I think it's the best way to. I mean, it's highly stigmatized borderline personality disorder so much so that there are some psychiatrists who will misdiagnose young people on purpose with bipolar, so that yep, so that they don't get the stigma associated with borderline personality really? disorder. Yep, yep, yep. There's the statistics, statistics and everything. Yep, they. Um, the reason is because the old medical model 
for borderline person, for BPD, say it shorter, uh, was that it was uh, people used to think, oh, these people are incurable. There's nothing you can do. They're all manipulative. Um, they just want you to get you to, to believe stuff. So you would have people, and I and I, when I first got diagnosed with it, I went on some like online forums, and the, the things people were saying were just like there was a woman who had, she went to the she went to the emergency room because um, she had severe stomach pains, and when they saw on her folder on her medical records that she has BPD, they were like you're just making it up. They sent her away. Turned out she had appendicitis. When she could barely walk, she went back into the hospital, and then of course she had to go straight into room, yeah. the emergency room. Yeah, and one of and my so my the the therapist that I that I worked with, uh, Daryl Christie, he was one of the first people to work with uh, BPD in the UK. He was trained by Marsha Linehan, who wrote the big thick Bible on dialectical behavioral uh, yeah dialectical behavioral therapy because she she had BPD. And she was in a mental institution for years. She was she was very, 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 very smart. She was a researcher, a scientist. She was in this. She couldn't understand why these emotions were just like overtaking her and you know overwhelming her. I mean, she was she was in a mental institution for years. She used to like throw herself off of the bed and bang her head on the floor. I, I read her um, her you know autobiography, um, and she was like, "This is horrible. This is like living in hell. I have to figure out." what this is, because nobody knew what BPD was. She was like, I have to figure, because this is what, I think in the 70s, 60s, 70s, she was like, I have to figure out what this is, and I'm going to I'm gonna sort it. I'm going to figure out what it is, and I'm going to help people with this. This is ridiculous. And it took her years, um, but she did, she did get better. She got out of the uh, mental health institution, and then she, she got into research. No one wanted to fund her research because she wanted to work with suicidal people, and they were like, no, those people are high risk. Um, so they wouldn't fund her research. She really struggled. She finally found someone to fund her research. So she was able to do the research that she needed to do to really, like, discover borderline personality disorder and to discover that, oh, it's because these people's brains are different. They need to learn to re reduce the amygdala themselves by rewiring the brain by doing these emotion regulation techniques, which of course she describes in that big thick book, uh, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, the the workbook. Um, and you know, once she was doing that, she saw that you know people started to yeah people started to improve and to be able to control it and everything. And so my uh, so, so Daryl Christie, like therapist, he she trained him, and he was one of, I think, eight people or something in the UK that, at that time that started working with people with BPD. And he, so he was telling me a lot of stuff and he, he, cause he always approaches it as, you know, it's not so much a therapy that you have to do for BPD. It's more like a science. You have to, they almost called it a science apparently because it's not traditional therapy where you just like talk about, oh, your childhood experiences. It's not that it's, you learn techniques to rewire your brain so that when you're overwhelmed with rage or overwhelmed with sadness or whatever strong emotion it is, you learn how to control that emotion. And so uh, I'll give an example. Um, so let's see. Uh, for example, there's a skill called, this is going to sound really, really basic, but it is a skill, uh, called check the facts. And check the facts, it's a very simple thing. So for example, uh, I don't know, you get a text from, well, I'll, I'll give my personal example. For example, I did a gig uh, and I had prepared this uh, parody song of the Mariah Carey Christmas song, you know, All I Want for Christmas is You, right? So, and I had a really bad cold and it was at my favorite club um, with uh, a GMB comedy in, in London, which is where I, I really was able to practice loads and, you know, just learn so much. And so Kyle Wallace, the guy who runs that, um, <clears throat> he was emceeing. And I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to sing it or not because my cold was so bad and my throat was not very good. So I tested it in the loo a bit before going on stage. And I really wanted to do it. And I thought, oh, it'll be okay. It was not okay. Like I could barely get the high note. It was uh, like my voice kind of cracked in the middle. It was so embarrassing. And because of the song, it wasn't like I could just stop halfway through. Although maybe I should have done. Anyway, long story short, at the end of the night, um, he looks at me and he just goes, Barbara, go home. And so I start to walk up the stairs, <clears throat> and then I feel the spiral starting. Immediately, I'm just like, 
uh-oh, he's really mad at me. I've disappointed him. Oh, he's not going to want to give me gigs anymore. Oh, he's really mad at me. Oh, this is going to wreck my friendship with him. Oh, I'm just, I'm just so rubbish. Oh, nobody likes me. You know, that kind of downward spot. I could feel it starting, right? And then I was, as I'm walking to the tube, and I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, no, 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 no. I have to stop this before it goes out of control. What can I do? What can I do? What skill can I use? Because it was what I was learning, right? I thought, okay, check the facts. How can I check the facts? So I sent him a Facebook message, and I said, can I just check the facts with you? When you said go home, I, I thought you were mad at me that I disappointed you, and I, you know, made me kind of, you know, I was kind of, I'm kind of worried that I made you mad, and that I've disappointed you. And he said, no, no, no. He said I was worried for you because I was afraid you might have hurt your voice. I just wanted you to go home and rest. So as soon as I got that fact, of course, the emotion just dissipated and the spiral stopped, right? So for example, you know, those people who get a text from a friend or something, right? canceling plans to go out, let's say, right? And that might send somebody into a spiral, right? They might be like, oh, this person doesn't like me. Oh, they never want to see me. And before you know it, they're, you know, they're depressed or they're mad or insert powerful emotion, right? But by checking the facts, right, you can dissipate that emotion. And, you know, because a lot of times you find out, oh, it's actually because, you know, their car broke down or, you know what I mean? Like, you, there's, there's, so that's just one tiny example, right? Because as you know, the book is really thick and there's a load of skills to learn and it took me about a year and a half. What I find is really cool is that, you know, you can learn, anyone can learn, not just people with BPD, to control extreme emotions through using and learning and using these emotion regulation skills. Now, my therapist, Daryl Christie, he was working with someone called Marie, I can't remember her last name, but the two of them had designed a curriculum to use in schools because, of course, little kids, like everybody struggles with extreme emotions. They wanted to teach this to children, teach these skills to kids so that everyone, doesn't matter if you have a mental health condition or not, everyone can learn how to control these extreme emotions. Everyone can learn to check facts with their friends so they don't break up friendships for nothing, all that kind of stuff. It was all set to go. Um, it was going to be rolled out in schools in the UK and everything. And then David Cameron came in and like wrecked it and took the budget away. So it never got. So anyway, the first, yeah. So what I'm doing, my little mission in my little corner of the world is, yeah, I, I've written this song, this uh, show about borderline personality disorder where, you know, I only have like 52 minutes, so I can't do everything, but I am presenting each of the like ADHD, uh, bipolar, psychosis, da, 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 da. I'm presenting like what borderline personality disorder is for me through song and stuff so people get a sense of what it is. That's going to be one show. Then I have another show that's more just like my normal club set, which I, because I don't always talk about the mental health stuff in my comedy because sometimes people don't want to hear it. Or if you have, you know, 10 comedians on the bill and five of them are talking about, you know, I don't want to be number six, right? So, and if I go outside of London, I have discovered that, um, there's a, there's a, when there's an older demographic, um, they don't necessarily want to hear about mental health stuff. They think it's funnier for me to talk about my ex-husband because <laughs> I have a lot of stories about my life that, that make me laugh, right? And I still use music for that. So, um, you know, I sing about ex-husbands and Scientologists and all kinds of weird stuff. So, um, anyway, so then I have that show, which is more like my club set, which is not about mental health. And then the third show that I'm going to do is I'm going to put the I'm going to take some of the um, some of the most accessible emotion regulation skills and I'm going to put them to music. So like I'm going to teach people emotion regulation skills through songs. You know, so for example, the check the facts one <laughs> that I said to you, I'm going to do a song about check the you know called check the facts, right? Because that's the only way I know to get this information out. Sounds you know? good. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I had that idea. I was like, whoa. But, of course, there's an order that I have to do these things in. I, so, you know, because I'm new, right? It sounds good because I, I use the book yeah. uh, as well. And I... Yeah. I'm in, uh, I'm in the... I'm, I'm still um, learning. And I'm still doing the, the therapy. I'm on, on week uh, 15 now. I'm going on week... So I only got, like, five more weeks to yeah. go. But... Um, yeah, sometimes I see stuff and I, I think, how how do other people don't know about this? It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's weird. Exactly. I, I, for example, I go to work and I, well, I even go to a gig and I see, I remember this when, 
say someone goes on on stage and they're um, and I, I do that sometimes as well. Like, oh no, I think I, I haven't done well at all. And you just like allow yourself to go on that state on stage, and you you can see the difference yeah. <laughs> in like how you're holding the mic, on what you're doing with your hands, how you're, you know, you you you, you I I'm taking everything to to a like a terrible ending, and I'm like, oh, this is just horrible. And then yeah, yeah. looking back at it, I'm like, oh god, that it, it's it. I, I think when I started doing DVD, uh, I, it was such an. Um, I was like, "What is this? This is things that like this sounds so." Because yeah, check the facts is one that I use loads. I use the observe a lot and um, describe the emotion. Yeah. You know, that's I think that's my favorite because yeah. um, it helps me when I feel overwhelmed because I'm I'm like, oh, I just feel stuff, and then if I actually can narrow it down to one, yeah. one only yeah. feeling, I'm like. Oh, I'm not sad. I'm angry. Like rather than being, you know, like yeah, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm happy. And like sometimes it happens where I'm, I'm, I'm a bit too excited. Like I'm, I'm overexcited. That's not good either. Yeah. And I'm, just, you know, and it, it. But you see, this is the kind of things where I'm. I could have. I had no idea about the 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 thing about like for kids. But I, I could have done with that when I was in school. To be fair, because I, 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 we had psychology yeah. and no, we had logic and psychology in my curriculum. But um, we used to do. Some sort of random stuff that, I've, again, you see, I don't even remember it, and I, I've never used it since I left school. While we yeah, are with things like that, you, because yeah, I, I see it in my my I don't know, I see it like in my niece and my nephew. I see it, I see it in adults now. Sometimes when I um, I see people kind of you know lose say losing it is not the uh, the most sensible word, but yeah, yeah. Lose their shit. Oh man, you could you could you could use <laughs> you could use some distress tolerance right yeah. now, and <laughs> that will. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, in fact, I said uh, I said to my ex therapist because because when I started doing comedy, it was because it was because it was literally because he said, "What's something you've always wanted to do?" And I said, "Well, I've always wanted to do stand up comedy ever since at uni, really." But I just would watch people. And think, oh no, I can never do that. I just can't do it because I can't remember other people's jokes. I honestly can't remember other people's jokes. No idea. They just go in one ear and out the other. I'll laugh and find them funny, but I won't remember them. So I just thought, oh, I guess I can't remember jokes. But it's different when they're your own, of course. But I didn't know that. So I just, you know, shut it out. Typical BPD, like black and white extreme thinking. I was like, nope, I can't do it. I'll, I'll just, I won't even watch comedy. I won't even do comedy. So that was why I did a comedy course and because he was like, what's the thing you always wanted to do? Because I needed to have some, I was struggling to find some sort of like meaning to my life and stuff. Um, so, so, oh yeah. So the point I was making with that was that um, uh, when I finished the, the dialectical behavioral therapy and all of that, I had been doing comedy for about three or four months. Um, and I said, and I remember saying to him, like, I've gone from being, you know, way dysregulated, emotionally with emotions all over the place to actually being more centered and more controlled than most of the people I know. <laughs> it's gone completely the other way because, you know, but that's what it's like because we've learned these skills, right? So I really believe that everybody should learn them. So I think, well, what am I going to do with the third, the third show, the one about the, you know, the, the, the skills and everything. Um, I, my aim is to, yeah, take that around the country and, you know, do it for kids and stuff. Um, because I think if I make a big enough splash about it, I'm hoping it will, it will get noticed, you know? Um, and what I did over lockdown, and I'm mentioning this because if anyone's listening and thinking, oh, I could really use some of that or, oh, like, obviously anything that Marsha Linehan has written is, is fantastic. Her workbook on dialectical behavioral therapy is absolutely incredible. Of course, it helps to work through it with a therapist, but it's even the kind of book, I believe, where people can just, you know, they can get a, a lot out of it themselves if they have no other recourse. There's also a guy called Dr. Fox on YouTube who does very, very, he's a, he's a, a therapist specialized in BPD, and he does very, really good videos about it. For example, the contract, the difference between uh, BPD and narcissism, or why do people with BPD struggle in relationships, all that kind of stuff. And what I did over another resource, what I did over lockdown was I, um, I 
co-hosted weekly live streams at a charity in London, which is called uh, Mind, Body, and Soul, yeah, charity. And they, they uh, I helped them, well, we set up something called Mindset. Um, and Mindset is, it's an Instagram channel. It's on YouTube as well. There's a lot of videos on there. Uh, and we, we basically, we're, we're, we're teaching young people <clears throat> over lockdown how to deal with extreme emotions. Because, you know, there's all those uni students that were, shut in these tiny rooms, I mean, ugh, it must have been so horrible for them, and we wanted to help them. So uh, that's quite a big resource if anybody is, you know, listening and thinking, oh, I could really use them, you know, use some I help or whatever. It, I've seen it on, your, um, on one of your, like, Instagram highlights as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I put it on my, I think, yeah, I put it on there on my uh on my link tree, I think as well. Maybe I don't. How did don't you? Um, how did you find the, the charity? Oh, uh, through my ex therapist because he 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 volunteered with them. Well, he still does um, because they run uh, they run programs to help. Uh, yeah, he, he through him. He was just like because when because when when we were talking about when he was like, Oh, what are, you know, what are some goals you have? What are some things you would like to do? And, and one of the things that I said, you know, in addition to the comedy, I said, I really want to help people with BPD. I want to help because there's, you know, the more I looked into it, the more I saw how stigmatized it was. Like there, there are people, there are people right now on courses. And I know because one of them talked about it in this Facebook group. There are people right now who are on courses studying, to become mental health practitioners because they want to help people, they are being told, not by all teachers, but by some teachers, university professors, some, are telling them that people with BPD are still, you know, manipulative, can't be helped, can't be cured, you know. I mean, yeah, there's no cure, but you can manage it. So they are still being fed incorrect information. The stigma is still, you know, very much out there. I was up at the uh, Edinburgh um, Comedy you know, festival. I go up there every year, and uh, I've gone two years running now. And last year when I went, there were two separate instances. It was, it was ironic. I saw one show, very, very good show, about a woman talking about her mom growing up with a mom with narcissism, and she mentioned a narcissism and, and BPD in the same sentence. And I and I said to her after the show, I said, I'm sorry, I just I loved your show, but there was one sentence I had trouble with. BPD is not the same as narcissism. They're very different disorders. And I said, you know, here's Dr. Fox's video where he talks about it. You'll see they're not the same. Um, and she was like, oh, thank you so much for telling me, because that contributes to the stigma as well, because a narcissist won't want help because they think there's nothing wrong. <laughs> Someone with BPD is desperate for help. And, and, and yet, like I know people with BPD who have felt suicidal, who have gone to A&E and have been turned away because they're just like, oh, no. You know, we can't help you. Call one one one, which of course is useless. It's like it's useless for that kind of thing because then, of course, you know, you can't just the trouble with BPD is because it's so difficult to to diagnose because it overlaps with so many different mental health conditions. It's not like you can go to your average therapist or your average counselor around the corner and get effective help for it. You got to go with somebody who knows what this is and who knows how to deal with it because sometimes we can even fool ourselves into thinking oh, what I really feel is this or what I really think is that. And Anyway, um, so I said to him that I wanted to help these people, you know, and uh, and I want to help erase the stigma and everything like that. So that's why he told me about the live stream, and that's how I got involved oh. in that. And because I'm a video presenter and I'm a voiceover artist, that's how I make my, you know, money apart. From, you know, I make a small amount with comedy, but I'm mostly a, uh, a voiceover artist. I record audio books and stuff. Um I, yeah, I, I could put those skills to use. In fact, one of the books, while I was in Edinburgh, that I was recording, it was ironic, I was recording an audiobook, How to Deal with Narcissists, <laughs> for some company, right? And in the book, they also had a line about BPD and how it's another, it was incorrect, and how it was lumping it in with, with narcissists and saying that, you know, it's a, you know, they're dangerous, manipulative people that you should stay away from that don't want help. And so I messaged the, the, the guy and I said, can you please tell the author this is actually not correct? And so I gave him the Dr. Fox video and, da, da, da. and it was oh, good. Wow. They took it out. It was like, good thing with me narrating that, you know? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are some, you know, there there could be some narcissists. I don't I don't want to like diss narcissists or something and say that they're horrible people because I'm sure there are, you know, there's. I can't say that, right? That wouldn't be right. Um, all I can say is that it often gets confused with BPD and it's not the same. So, and then you know, yeah, people pe- people like to stigmatize things, but but what gets me is that it's the stigma is the most is probably more prevalent in the medical profession than it is in the general public. I, in my experience, if I tell somebody in the general public that I have BPD, they don't know what it is, but they yeah. want to understand. Most of the time they'll be like, oh, what's that, right? If I tell somebody in the medical profession, they'll be like, oh, like I don't tell them now. I don't say because now they'll just, I know that if I say, I will immediately be seen as manipulative, untreatable, that's why pe- that's why psychiatrists will give young people a bipolar diagnosis on purpose. They don't want those people at 20, 21, 22 years old to carry that stigma that their is, whole lives. No, that's how bad. Yeah, I, I didn't. I never. So I'm wow. fighting it. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad it is. This yeah. Is mad. I. Yeah, it is mad. I mean, it it it'll get better. Yeah, I'm sure, sure it will. I mean, it, hopefully, in the yeah. But you know. How many years? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it's. I mean, to be, I, I, I think when when I found out um, about me having uh, to live with borderline, I was kind of, oh, what's that? And then I did some research, and I was like, oh god, that sounds this sounds awful. But I was, I was thinking about what you what you said with the the stigma, and I was like, you know, it, it's like you said from uh, from people that I know, or you know, people that I again i hang out with you know my uh, comedy friends or my um, any friends family they they would be like oh what's that what does it mean while um yeah now when you mention it i do i did i do realize i, I had a couple of visits at the uh, and like they i had to see like my gp and stuff like this and i had to see um uh, again, I, I had to to see a doctor recently, and uh, there was a weird incident where they 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 wouldn't believe me to what extent I um, basically yeah because because I, yep. I kept on asking to to be yep. assessed for like uh, psychosis because I had this thing where I I just had those like terrible I I just couldn't sleep I I just felt every time I'd fall asleep something I'd have like um, either idol idolization or you know I, I'd think about um, like yeah. not existing and stuff like that and uh, I was just like what the fuck is going on this is so and yeah. and I remember speaking with the with the the, the, the doctor and uh, it was like no I don't think that's it and I, it, it, it seemed very again it might be but at the time it seemed very dismissive and I just had to be to make myself understand that he has no reason but now when you said it, it this is just came back in my head and I was, again it's nothing to to say because it, it, look it, as it turns out after i've changed something with my medication and uh, my uh, my lifestyle i've changed my lifestyle a little bit i actually feel better and i don't i don't again i don't yeah. have the the same like night terrors that i used to have but uh, yeah it's 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 incredible i had i didn't even know about this well, yeah, and also what that means, of course, is that, is that mental health practitioners aren't getting the education that they need to help people anyway with it. So they don't know what to, you know, it's not entirely their fault, right? They don't know what to do because they weren't, yeah, it's they weren't like trained a, in it. They don't know how to. I was going to say, it's kind of huh? like a black box, you know, where it's like nobody wants to, or like only two people in the world know how to open it. And uh, Yeah, and also like, you know, not everybody, like just like with anything, not everybody with BPD is automatically, you know, a well-meaning person that wants to get better, right? Like my ex-therapist, he 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 used to um, he he lives in Portugal now. He wanted a quieter life, probably after dealing with me. But he um, but he used to, um, I mean, he worked for. They used to call him in to like sort out trouble hospitals, right, where they were having real problems and stuff. And so he went to he went to this one place where. Supposedly they had this uh, group. It was kind of it was supposed to be like a therapy group to help people with BPD. And he got there, and uh, and his thing was always like he won't work with somebody for more than like a year. So it took me like a year and a half, but I spent the last couple of months with somebody else because he 
we got to a point and, and there was just this last little bit and then I got the rest of it with her. But he, but his thing is, you know, you do it for a year, you do it intensely and then, you know, then you just, you've learned the skills and so you can do the rest of it yourself. Um, but he went to this place and there were like 16 people and they, they, it was anarchy. They just, the staff didn't know how to deal with these people. The people just decided that they could just go in and do whatever they want and take things over and just hang out and chat and, and just be really manipulative and awful. So, you know, we're not all saints, right? But, um, and so nobody was getting any help because these people that didn't want to be, it doesn't take many, right? You know how, like, if you have a group and you have a couple of ringleaders, yeah. right? Well, those ringleaders, they didn't want to get better. They didn't want anybody else to get better. They just wanted attention for themselves and stuff. So he went in there and he was like, right, you, you get out, you get out, you get out, you get out. He threw out like half of them. And then of course, you know, turned it around and stuff. But the mental health practitioner, like, like they, they wouldn't, they were too scared to deal with that group of people because no one had trained them. Yeah. They didn't know. They didn't know that sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to be tough with people and they, they were, so they weren't given the skills that they needed. So then he, tra he, he also trains, he still does this, I think he trains uh, hospital staff as well um, because they haven't been properly trained with it, you know, and it doesn't take, it doesn't take that much. Like I, um, I went to one because I was, he wanted to bring somebody with BPD to do like a, like an acting out thing, you know, because he knows I did, you know, acting and stuff. He wanted to, it was really, Oh, it was really funny. Cause he, Basically, what it was was it was a course for uh, mental health practitioners to learn how to help people with BPD, and so he wanted me to basically like have a meltdown. Like I, I went there and nobody knew that I was um, that I was there as a plant, you know. <laughs> I was supposed to be one of the students, right? So he shows this film, and he had told me what to do and stuff like that. So at one point during the film, like I start like you know crying and having this meltdown like oh in the middle of the room like going oh like this and he wanted to see what they would do he wanted to see if they would like help me and stuff that was really funny so so he just like you know threw them in the deep end and stuff and then um one or two people came over most people didn't because they were too scared and then um and then at one point he let he let it go on for ages i'm sitting there having this meltdown pretend meltdown right going uh, uh, while I'm thinking in my head, will you just come over and stop this now? I'm tired of doing this. This is really embarrassing, right? It went on for, it felt like an eternity. It went on for ages. And then he finally comes over and he's like, and he's like, right, okay, let me deal with her now. And then he takes me out. And as soon as he takes me out of the room, he starts laughing. He was like, that was awesome. You did such a great job. He's giving me these high fives. I'm like, oh, this was horrible. <laughs> And then we walk back, in the, and then he's like, right, you're going to just walk back and be yourself now. And I'm like, thank you. Thank God for that. So then we walk back in the room, and he's like, right, big round of applause for Barbara. And they were all like, oh. I have to do that only once, or have you done it a couple of times? Only no, only, only once. It was just for the one. He doesn't do these courses okay, very okay. often. Wow. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it was really That's, funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah but yeah he trains them because they haven't had the help they haven't had the training they need you know so yeah, yeah. that makes i mean it, it's it's sad but i also think that it's 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 work in progress for sure um so, yeah but i think comedy is the way that i can you know i i, can I, I, things, I, so. I get that but i feel i feel like that um with my comedy even with this you know the reason why i started recording this and the re even actually the reason why like it's it's called uh, it's got the name that it has the podcast is just about um you know how i, I, I hopefully someone will see that it, it, even though because my my first fear and my first thing was oh god I, I can never stop this while now it's like well it doesn't matter i can still live with it and i can still do you know some some cool stuff and things i want to do so that's the that's my i, I that's my way that's my way of doing uh my i guess my my bit or like that's that's the way for me to feel a little bit better about myself or like i'm doing something you know yeah 
Well, there's something that my that um, that that Daryl told me once that I think that relates to what you said. I think you'll find it really helpful because I and I wanted to put it in my show, but oh, I didn't have time. And, and and it's not that relevant to people who don't have BPD. But he told me, well, he told us because it was in a skills group. He was like, he, although this applies to anybody, I think that's you know struggling with uh, something quite intense, like bipolar is probably quite similar. Um, he said. Having BPD, it's a bit like having uh, wild horses. Like most people have, people that don't have it, they have domesticated horses. But if you have wild horses, the thing about a wild horse, he said, it's kind of like having wild horses who are, who are thoroughbred. So at the moment, they're all over the, and I wrote a, I wrote a whole text about it, uh, about my <laughs> wild horses and stuff that I shared with him. And, um, and anyway, he, he said, it's like having wild horses. Um, at first you can't control them and they're kind of all over the place. However, once you learn to control them, they'll take you faster and further faster than any other horse for anybody else. It's like having a superpower. You just don't know how to control it yet. That makes sense. It sounds beautiful. And I thought that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. I, think I, I, I had this thing where I was chatting with uh, one of my, my friends, uh, with James and I was like, you know, it's like learning how to to tame a, a lion, you know, in the in, and I'm because yeah. at first you're like, oh, this this guy's gonna kill me, you know, he's gonna eat me up. Yeah. And then now you're you're slowly like, oh, he's about to, I don't know, roar. And then I just pull a toy and I'm like, yeah, you know, this thing is like squeaking, <laughs> and then he just the lion relaxes, you know, and I'm like, Oh wow, this is pretty, pretty yep. impressive. Um, but, uh, I was cause talking about the work in progress. So you've got, a, I mean, it's, it's a lot cause you've got like one show, which is your club set. You've got the work in progress. Um, you're planning for, um, this year to go to some, um, again, to, to, to tour your, your club set, but then also work on the BPD show, right? Yeah, because, because, uh, how can I put it? So, so this year, um, so this year I'm going to start to do like Brighton Fringe and Edinburgh Fringe and other festival things, but because it'll be the first time that I'm doing these festivals and it'll be my first hour long show, the, the best way for me to have more impact is, I think, is to do my tried and tested material, which is my club set, make that my first show, because if I get, I hope to get, um, if I get good reviews for that show, then that's going to that's gonna be a huge help when I go back to Edinburgh in 2025 with two shows. One of them will be my club set again. And then the next one will be the BPD one, um, which I'm calling a nightmare brain share because it feels like there's four flatmates <laughs> in my brain and they're horrible. That's a good um, name. But you got to um, live with that's them. A yeah. <laughs> so nightmare brain share I'm going to do in 2025. And because I'll have had good reviews from the first show, you know, it will, it will help promote, you know, it will, it will help get more, more yeah more people to see that show and then once i've done once i have that show you know the nightmare brain share one is about educating people well entertaining them but also educating them as to what borderline personality disorder is what emotion dysregulation looks like and all that stuff so that then when i do uh the show about uh you know emotion regulation skills um it's like a companion show, that one, right? Because then that's like the next one further on. So so if, for example, I want to do the emotion regulation one, you know, in schools or something like that, um, I'll have video footage of the first show, uh, the one about BPD. You know, it, it gives people the context and it goes in a logical order. So that with the first, with my club set show, um, which the working title for that one is... Um, um, singing, sagging, and shagging. Um, so, yeah, that's what I want. Um, you know, with the first show, they'll see, oh, okay, she's a, she's a, a decent musical comedian. She's fun. She's worth listening to. 
then with the second one, yeah, oh, this is what's... Because the second show, the one about BPD, that's my heart show. That's the one that, you know, means the most to me that's part of my mission and all that stuff. But before I do that, yeah, I have to prove to people that I'm worth it. And, you, you know, know I I, there are two things I was going to say uh, which I find um, brilliant is that, one, you said earlier that you you can't remember other people's jokes, but yet you've got three yeah, shows that you're working on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the, the, the second, uh, which it's, um, it's really uh, wonderful. The second thing was that um, I agree. It's like with, with also, I think, yeah, it's, sorry, let me say it right. So the second thing which I also find incredible is that I because I've seen some bits uh, of uh, of I've seen so, some of uh, your your um, parts of your of your show and I I really enjoyed it and I was a part of me was thinking uh, some of the stuff can't go in the school I think um, <laughs> yeah most of it but none of like love can go to school then, <laughs> the fact that you see it's gonna you can tell that it's 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 even, I, I guess it's, it's like, like you said, it's like your, uh, did you say baby or was it uh, the uh, the BPD one? You used the word, which the BPD, which you one? used the word, which was. The BPD is a nightmare brain you share. It? You it something else, uh, like you, as in like, oh, this is my. Oh, Heart that's show. my heart that's show. That's like can, my. You, I, I mean, I could tell, or like, it, it's so nice to see as well because it it, it it sounds already very again same but different. It's uh, it's. It, yeah, it's completely different. It's none of yeah, none of it is in my. It's completely different to my club set. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's you know, I do a whole song about PTSD, a whole song about psychosis, a whole song about you know bipolar, a whole song. And you about, see, it goes. Yeah, it goes that, from. So. Uh, yeah, it goes from your your club set to to that, and you can see that. I think you know, actually, yeah, it, it goes to it's full circle now to when we started, and we're like, you know, things change, and we we love uh, to work on different things, and we you love to like jump around. That's amazing. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just yeah, it's fun, and it's the way that I mean, the way because I gig quite a lot, and some people are like, oh, you gig so much, but. To me, comedy is literally like food. Literally like food, like like comedy gave yeah, you've got to for do me. It. it totally gave my life meaning and I, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think it's so. I think my my first um, one of the reasons why I started doing comedy and the reason why I usually tell people is that I feel like if I can make people laugh at my misery, it makes the misery a bit more worth it. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like some something shits happen, but at least someone's laughing about it, or like at least I'm making someone laugh and not in a in a genuine way rather than I don't know, not genuine in a, in a positive way rather than you know someone laughing at me. People yeah. laugh with me at my own um, cost, I guess, but that's fine because I I I'm provoking that laughter, you know, and I could. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, that that's the part which which I love the most about uh, doing comedy. Um, but it was it was amazing chatting with you. It was amazing catching catching up. Um, good luck. Thank you. No, <laughs> Thanks thank for you. having me. Thank you all for listening, and um, hope to have you back next week. We've got some uh, really cool people um, joining us this year. So stay tuned, stay skillful, goodbye.